episode of Come Over for Dinner. I'm so excited you're joining me today. Today I have two very special guests, Otto and Bethany Nielsen. They have four children ranging from 3 to 15. Otto is a chef who has trained under Francis Fukushan, who has also been a guest on this podcast. He, Francis, trained in France, and Otto has picked up so many good things from him. I actually worked with Otto at one of the NSA president's dinners. I would say that he was the sous chef and I was the sous, sous chef. Does a sous chef have a sous chef? Regardless. Call me. You're a call me chef. Okay. I told Otto when I was searing very expensive meat, like, please watch over my shoulder and tell <laughs> me great. if I'm doing anything wrong. Uh, so that was, uh, yeah, I was... I was a little nervous there, but thankfully I pulled it off. You did great. Well, thank you. <laughs> and Bethany is an art teacher at Logos. Mm-hmm. How many years have you been an art teacher? This is my 20th year. And she comes into yeah. my second grade classroom once a week. It's <laughs> yeah. so fun. The kids yeah. love her more than they love me. <laughs> it's their favorite class. If there's ever, a, it's very rare, but if there's ever a moment it has to be canceled or re, you know rescheduled, it's, you know. We have to somehow pass out extra candy to exactly. make the day continue. I miss it too. <laughs> so welcome, Otto and Bethany. Thank you so much. This is fun. Another, another, actually, the very first introduction I had to Otto was, and I guess, Bethany, you were probably helping him, but he did a pop-up restaurant the summer that I first moved to Moscow, and my sister had tickets and invited me, I think, probably within the... Within the week of me driving That's into so Moscow, I'm I so literally was, made it. I think I borrowed one of her dresses. Who okay. even knows where my clothes were? Well, I'm so glad I could say welcome to Moscow. <laughs> I'm that way. so glad you came. That's awesome. I after eating that multi-course gourmet meal, I thought, okay, the decision was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> there was oh, good reason so to move to Moscow, and please continue your pop-up restaurants. <laughs> oh yeah, we got to get back to that. Yeah. That was a year off. That was very fun. That was a summer menu too. Didn't try to take a year off. That those pop ups resulted in me getting people requesting me to come, like come do my birthday. Yes, come do our anniversary. So I I just don't have time now because people just come having me come do a little you know pop up event, whatever. Well, you do. I mentioned you are a chef, but that's not your full time job. It's not. What do you do full time? That's a good question. He supports a family. Yes. <laughs> it's very <So> hungry. <laughs> I am more or less the administrator of a real estate development, construction, and property management company. Yeah. It pays the bills. It pays the bills. It Along does. with. Which is amazing. Along and it's a with lot, some pop-up <laughs> yeah, yes. And it's a lot Side like projects. catering, so it's actually really fun. Yes, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Well, your yeah. day is varied. I'm, you know, it's who knows what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like, like a box of chocolates. Yeah. It's very true. <laughs> what and, do I do today? Property a, management, construction. Right, right. I get to participate Cook in. for someone. Pop-up restaurant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I get to participate in the design build of some upcoming, hopefully, upcoming restaurants. Oh, yeah. So excited about that. Ooh, we'll see exciting. how that goes. But also, it's such a blessing. It was a huge answer to prayer um, during the pandemic that, we we may need to you know find another job and uh, we got to work with Christian Brothers which is such a gift yeah so incredible I've had the blessing of being able to work at Logos for forever and I'm so 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 blessed just by working with peers mm-hmm. with moms and dads and they're becoming grandparents which is so special to me but I was a young mom a young wife just brand new we started when I was engaged it was like a few weeks before the end of the school year it was 2004 when I first started. And um, it was so incredible. It was like being discipled while working, being inspired. And he has always just 
trudged along in anything that pays the bills. And I've always <laughs> just prayed that he could have that opportunity to work with brothers as well, which is just so incredible and elevating. I think they have Bible studies like three days a week. Oh, yeah. And it's required. And mm-hmm. our son is doing it as well. Um, he had to get permission to miss the Bible study so he could have a birthday <laughs> breakfast yesterday. So it's so lovely yeah. and it's very inspiring and it gives him a lot of momentum and kind of fills him up a little bit, which mm-hmm. is such a, an incredible gift. Mm-hmm. This is but my yeah. wife describing my work better than I could. <laughs> well, we're proud of she you. sees the, uh, the other side of it. I'm yep. just going to sit here and nod. <laughs> If only we had video. I know. (laughs) You could see he was assenting to everything she said. (laughs) So how long did you train under Francis and learn the art of French cooking? Oh, I don't know. And was that the first time that you trained is? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I don't know if I could answer that off the cuff um, Mm. because young married, like staring down the barrel of having a baby, we had to step away from that, you know, unpaid apprenticeship, which was glorious. And I definitely had no intention of not finishing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I ended up working at a restaurant. Anyway, it was, it was on and off. So I can't remember. It did start with the elective. Yeah. Which the, Francis was a guest on and he was a judge. I think he judged some of the, the menu items, right? No, no, it wasn't a judging thing, oh, but yes, he was a guest at the, okay. the aesthetic. The first time yeah. the aesthetic astronomy elective was offered at NSA. Which is a beautiful elective. Oh, it's it's awesome. so special and very transformative. Every student that's ever taken it, it actually, loved it. I, I don't know. I don't think I'm overstating it to say it kind of transformed NSA. There were some books oh, on the reading yeah. list oh, yes. that became like mm. required reading as part of the core, like Lordship. Absolutely. Class Father Capon, Supper, yeah, of the Supper of the Lamb. Supper is one of them. Yeah. That was born out of that, that first yeah. elective. Just a theology of food and hospitality, basically. Yeah. And enjoying God's goodness and transforming it with dishes. And, and I think it was maybe something happened to you some, during that election. Some small <laughs> amount of, of um, Mr. Fukushima's participation <laughs> in that. At that point, he had not opened his restaurant no. was to Paris yet. And I think that may have, may have given him a little yeah. push in that direction. Seeing like, okay, there's yeah. some, there might be a talent pool here I could draw on, or at least an yeah. appreciation of what I could do. This might work yeah. here. So I, tell me a little bit more about the course. So you mentioned reading some books and having the theology of food and hospitality <laughs> presented to you. Tell me a little bit more about that course. Yeah, it was, it was basically diving into why does food taste good? Like here we are, we're Christians. God created us in his image and we don't eat bugs. Mm-hmm. We don't eat dirt. Mm-hmm. We eat stuff that is beautiful and tastes fantastic. Like we don't, we don't need taste. Maybe, maybe there's an evolutionary perspective that says mm-hmm. that, well, if you, if you taste something bad, it's poison and it, it helps you stay alive. Okay, sure. But that's not always true at, though. Sometimes people eat mushrooms. Exactly. You know, maybe they thought they tasted good right, right. and then they it's were true. poison yeah. back right. in the past. But also at a very yeah. basic level, like if you are able to cultivate the food yeah. you need, it doesn't have to taste good to keep you alive. Right. Why Just do we have that? Yeah. What is that for? Yeah. Right. Is it, is that even the right way to describe it? Because that's a u- utilitarian description. Like, mm-hmm. does it need to be for something? Okay. Now what? God created us. We have this. What do we do? And he gave us such an abundance and including just his grace is so overabundant. It's always free. It's always there. And creation around us is filled with abundance and how to transform that creation into beautiful food. And yet we're Christian and we're looking at this incredible abundance 
how do you balance uh, enjoying right. that abundance, not being greedy or, or, or yeah. you know, overindulging, but God gave us flavor. He gave us love and desire of good food. Why is that? And it's hospitable and it shows and love and grace. And we're falling and can mess it up and that, that's called yeah. gluttony. Exactly. <laughs> oh, of course. So yeah, it was just like anything so else. Amazing. It was so special. But yeah, so <laughs> it was just a deep dive into yeah. kind of philosophy of, of food and mm-hmm. taste. And really... I'm unable to think of another worldview that can account for that. Yeah. Like, unless there is a good creator giving you gifts, mm. why would you have taste and the ability to enjoy yeah. what you are tasting? Mm-hmm. It just doesn't make sense. There's no way to reason your way to that. No. Mm-hmm. And also in this class, you create. Yeah. Um, like we for were, the final, don't you create your own? Every week. Course. So we had to, the first week we had to yeah. write a menu, like a five, mm-hmm. four course, I don't remember, I don't remember yeah. multi-course menu. And then at recitation every Friday after that, we had to bring the next course in our menu. And what we were graded on, we, we were given a, a name, like this is who you trade your dish yeah. with. I loved this part. And then you taste someone else's dish. Taste someone else's dish. And what you were graded on was how, how well you could name the ingredients in that. <laughs> so we were graded on our ability to taste, yeah. not our ability to cook no. at all. Yeah. It was not a cooking class in yeah. any way, shape, or form. It was 100% really? a tasting class. And a lot of the students would just bring a family recipe. My mom cooked this. This is what I'm going to do. And that's what you did. You're German and Scandinavian, Norwegian, and Swiss. And so you just brought that stuff. Mm-hmm. And to, to be able to taste someone else's family treasured recipe, that was really right. special too. So one of the things I brought was my old family Swiss fondue. And Francis is from Lyon, which is yeah. very close to Switzerland to close to Geneva. And he spent some time, some of his early time, early career as a chef working at restaurants in Switzerland and his family, you know, that's kind of like there, that's kind of like here we are in Moscow. Yeah. And if we want to have a day at the lake, you know, a nice vacation spot, we go up to Coeur d'Alene. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess if you live, I don't know, I've not been there, but I guess if you live in Lyon, your day at the lake is going to Geneva, you know? <laughs> so hard times. Right. I know. Right. <laughs> so beautiful. Um, uh, <laughs> so yeah, he he has an affinity with you know the the French Swiss type of thing. Now my family, my mom actually has cousins yeah. in Switzerland. So there's somewhat recent yeah. emigration from there, and my grandfather went and found them. He you know didn't know their name, didn't know where they lived, but he decided yeah. right around the time he was retiring that he was going to go find them. Mm-hmm. So when I was very very young, there was kind of peak excitement in my mom's family about discovering our heritage. So and we were all about like, oh, yeah. we're Swiss and it means this. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, we were very, I grew up like people, I'm, I'm confused by people not excited by their heritage. Yeah. And I, it took me a while to realize, no, I, I, I'm not normal. <laughs> like my family was unusually excited about discovering their heritage so and discovering their, you know, their yeah. culinary traditions and family mm-hmm. recipes. And we had these people from Switzerland come visit us and stay at our house. That's so exciting. Like, oh, these are, that's these are, these are our family from uh-huh. Switzerland. Like, yeah. oh, wow, that's yes. cool. And this is what they do. And they are dairy farmers. They make cheese, they make they Swiss cheese, cheese and they want to yeah. see what, and my dad's a farmer. He's like, well, I'll show you my, my buddy's dairy mm-hmm. farm. Let's go look. And I mean, it was just like, it was just this really yeah, neat the, meshing these two of branches, cultures. Right, these two branches of the family that had been isolated for a couple generations all of a sudden are mm-hmm. uniting again. And it's just so exciting that just getting thrilled about your heritage mm-hmm. and any heritage yeah. is going to center around language and food almost mm-hmm. more than anything. Yeah, It's easy to say it's about nationality, 
but that's kind of a modern construct. And once you go back far enough, really heritage is about, is about language traditions and language and, and food and hospitality and so, for sure. Well, yeah, sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm, that's um, fun. So that's what we got very, very excited about. So I was very excited about that. And Francis, when I met him, he, he kind of, we were, you know, I was taking this aesthetic <laughs> astronomy class. And so here I am bringing up these food traditions that I'm, my family's all excited about. And he's like, Oh, I recognize that. <laughs> I was trained by a restaurant in Geneva that taught me that. How do you know that? <laughs> That's incredible. And so I brought my, my <laughs> traditional family Swiss fondue recipe yeah. and his eyes went wide. He was like, we need to cook together. <laughs> we were so excited. You are oh hired goodness. as my sous chef. There we go. It's Bring a, your eventually, recipe. Eventually. Eventually, yes. I, had to, I worked had to my earn way it. up you had to, to, earn to it. sous chef. So yeah, yeah but uh, so when he cool. started West of Paris, I didn't immediately start as an apprentice there, but eventually... Yeah, yeah, it made sense. He said, "You, you should, you should come cook here. This, yeah. I think you might. This might be for you." And I was like, "All right, I love to cook. I think, yeah. I guess." And well, then I ended what up a great experience yeah. and so amazing education! Yeah. Holy cow! You know, it being able to add so that much. into I grew up on a science, farm. math. Yeah. I grew up on a farm, bucking hay, and I learned what hard work was in a restaurant. Mm. And it's a good thing yeah. I grew up on a farm. Because you had the endurance. What? Yeah, I had the physical endurance, yeah. and watching my dad like knowing what it meant to give your all because it, you had to, cause it yeah. mattered. Yeah. And you know, I was a young teenage punk. I was only working <laughs> quote unquote hard because I had to, cause there was punishment mm -hmm. if I didn't. Uh -huh. Dad was making me. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry, dad. I love you, man. <laughs> your example has been amazing, amazing. in my life. So we love, we love him. I wish, I wish I wasn't that type growing up on the farm. I would have learned so much more, so much faster. It took me getting kind <laughs> of, I, I immediately right there wanted to say broken. Mm. working in restaurants to learn like this, this, you have to, you have to desire this. You ha learning how to want to do the hard things mm -hmm. that happened to me. Well, God used the farm work and he the did. restaurant work sounds right. like as just right. a growing process. And at the same time I was a student at NSA. Mm -hmm. So I was developing you were a being lens. Transformed. Yes. I was seriously being transformed and developing a lens with which to look back through my history and be like, Oh, oh, that's why that was so important. And I didn't <laughs> know it till now, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, putting on, putting on these glasses and reading my memory and saying, Holy cow, I wish I would have known how to look at this when I was actually in it. But right. many of us feel that God way. got me there somehow. <laughs> yeah. Well, seeing where you both are now, that does remind me as a parent, a lot of listeners have children mm. and a lot, all children, God is growing them independent of you. Yes. And I remember having teenagers. I have, well, I have one still. The rest are in their 20s. But just seeing your children go through those hard times, oh, yeah, like you're absolutely. talking about, they're struggling or they're, you know, you can tell they're really needing to, whatever, whatever it yeah. is, you know, needing yeah. to learn this or that. And yeah. it's hard as a parent to see your kids go through yeah. that. But you have to recognize that's God working in their life oh, and absolutely. transforming. Absolutely. And for you, just yeah. for years, you know, and I would say that's everyone, honestly, yeah. those teen years especially can be hard and transformative. <laughs> but, you know, working on a farm, then a restaurant, then going to college, yeah. you know, that whole process turned you into a fabulous dad yeah. <laughs> and husband and all the other roles you currently have. Yeah. Amen. I I'm blushing. And God is still at work in all of us. Oh, amen. So, yeah, that's pretty special. Well, tell yeah. us, and now, now that we've talked all about food, tell us one of your favorite menus that you would serve to your family, to guests coming mm -hmm. into your home. Like yeah. when you think of something you would serve, what would it be? 
Well, uh, one of the constraints we have right now is we have such a tiny space. I know our house is not like the size of this basement, but it's very, very small. And so we often have to do like seasonal hospitality where we can only have people over when most of them can be outside by the fire. And then what we end up doing a lot is there have been times we were so, do you remember this? Uh, so poor and had so little space that we would just cook something and start dropping food off at friends' houses. Do you remember when we would do that? <laughs> like for Reformation Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, oh, that was so fun. And you were cooking madeleines and I was making madeleines. Mm-hmm. And and we couldn't have anyone over, but we could bring people food. So we would just surprise people with food. So right now we do a so little bit more fun. of like dropping off food, which is so special because that's kind of how we celebrate as a family. We cook together and we make food and we want to share it. We just don't always have the room to share it. So we'll just like... <laughs> outsource it and all the kids will be in a train and they'll each carry something and we'll bring things. So we do that a lot right now, Yeah, but we do want to have people over in our house where they're not sitting on top of each other. Yeah. <laughs> as Someday, a, Lord as willing. As a caveat, yeah. I've heard that you make donuts. Oh yes. Yes. You used to, used to make them and sell them. Now you just make them for your family and friends because it, that's a bit overwhelming, but you're famous for donuts apparently. Beignets. It was actually because we were doing a wedding and we designed something for a bride. Teacher comes out like correction. They're beignets. They're actually beignets. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Just, just so you know. Well, we had to, I had to make sure that they were actually beignets because they were originally donuts. And then we were like proofing the dough in a very special way. And I found that I could do about two to 500 really easily. And so we designed the menu originally for a bride because she was very gourmet. She was from Portland and she loved Moroccan flavors. And we were going to do some Moroccan like wedding cookies. But her father came to me and asked me, can you make me a chocolate donut? I don't think I'm going to like the food. She's going to pick. I have like normal food. And so very I was going to make her a chocolate donut. Very much, you know, steak and potatoes. American it was really sweet. And of man, course we weren't trying like, to accommodate oh, that She's going to well. have all this frou-frou food it's gonna be fancy. at the wedding that you're going to make. What's can you so just, funny is can you just bring me a donut? A Isn't donut? that so sweet? And so I like, thought, yeah, okay, just, I'll make just it. Just bring me a donut so I I'll have put something. it in a box. And I'd just been making donuts for the family. And we realized that we could make a Moroccan, like right. orange blossom anise Donut, and then we turned it into beignets so because we, we can feed a huge crowd. We sat down and we took our donut recipe, yeah. and I took the idea of a beignet. I don't mm. know if, if they're technically like true New Orleans beignets, but whatever, they're fried yeah. dough. These are anyway. not from a patisseau with a with a butter flour. Well, that's um, a French beignet. A French beignet. These are different. A, a New Orleans beignet is a, a yeast risen dough. Is that accurate? I haven't no. been to New Orleans. Okay. <laughs> Does it sound okay? It sounds right. Okay, got I know because I saw it in movies. <laughs> right. I've heard of it from friends who have traveled to there New Orleans. <laughs> so we just we just sat down uh, yeah, and we started special. picking apart yeah. our donut recipe and saying, okay, what are we going to do with this? And it was yeah. a buttermilk. It was a buttermilk recipe. Yeah. And yeah, we had this idea for the you mm-hmm. know this traditional Moroccan because the other bride wanted a very mm-hmm. Mediterranean menu, and I. Yeah had been up to that point very interested in North African yes, cuisine and Zatar Middle Eastern cuisine. And, anise and all these and I was beautiful like, okay, spices. I would love to do Mediterranean, but can it please just not be your standard like South of France, Italian, like 
Like if it's like frequently, if someone says this is a Mediterranean menu, it's basically just an Italian menu. It, it's kind of like right. Tex-Mex in the South. It's, it's not true, true Mexican. Right. There it's we go. A, a blend I think it's of countries. Texican yes. is what Texican. I heard someone describe. No, Tex-Mex, I think. But yeah. Or Cali-Mex in California. Oh, yeah. There we go. I guess it takes different forms and uh, depending on where you are in the United States. Sure. But regardless, people who have traveled or have yes. lived in Mexico would say, oh, that's not Mexican That's not Mexican food. food. Yeah. Yeah, so I asked her, true. I said, are you willing to get a little experimental and do the Mediterranean food? She was so sweet. Most she was people great. Aren't used to. Mm-hmm. And I was like, like North African, Moroccan. Yeah. And she was like, I love Moroccan. Yeah. <laughs> well, and a lot yes. of Moroccan ingredients go really well with Northwestern. Ingredients. It's true. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of products we have here in the, in the Northwest, mm-hmm. you know, like that, the apples, you know, lots of fruit trees we have and the stone mm-hmm. fruits, you know, lentils. And, yeah. And then yeah. the lentils and the chickpeas, like mm-hmm. so much of that features largely in North African cuisine and Moroccan cuisine. And I'm just like, this yeah. makes sense. If I'm going to, I don't know. This is maybe a very far off dream, but if I'm going to like be some small part of developing a Northwest cuisine, it's like, maybe I need to start researching other countries that use similar products and see what happens. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so that all plays into the decisions I make when I get yes. <laughs> Also based on the equipment we've just acquired from the last pop-up restaurant. Correct. <laughs> but okay, yeah, so sorry. we took we took this idea like, okay, traditional yeah. Moroccan wedding, you know, recipes. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. let's let's make this ours. We have this donut. We're gonna make it a beignet. We're gonna infuse it with orange blossom water somehow. It's like, okay, so it's a buttermilk recipe. So let's just What's like buttermilk? Well, yogurt is thicker. Mm-hmm. It's like buttermilk. It makes it very tender. Mm-hmm. And then we can add a boatload of orange blossom water to it. And now it's the same mm-hmm. texture as buttermilk. It's like, there we go. Now we have basically yeah. Yeah. something that will function, for lack of a better word, chemically the mm-hmm. same way in the recipe and have the same you know liquidity as, as buttermilk. So okay. we developed this, mostly her. This was largely her uh, development. Well, the donut I was, part. I was thinking flavors and textures, and she was actually on the execution level making it work. Yeah, but you came up with the magic ingredient for the coating. Yes, that was, that was very fun. special. And yeah. that was just that was like a first try, like yeah. first pitch, perfect. right down the middle, crack. Like oh that my was gosh, you. That's all awesome. right. that was all awesome. you. Yeah, there was that something was missing in the in the powdered sugar coating, and you thought of this one thing, and we well, added the, it. That the wedding, amazing. the wedding, wedding cookie recipe yeah. we're looking at was the flavor profile was orange blossom water and mm-hmm. anise. Mm-hmm. And so I was just like, okay, what are we going to do? And we got the orange blossom water worked into the dough. And when it fries up, it's so aromatic. It's just like, oh, this is amazing. amazing. And then we would just take whole anise seeds. And -hmm. I was like, I'm going to try this. Let's see if this works. And I just toasted them in a dry pan, ground them powdery fine, and mixed them with powdered sugar because beignets get coated with powdered Mm -hmm. sugar. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, all right, let's try it. And we just tossed them in this anise seed. Powder sugar I should have coating. brought you some. I'll bring you some. I'll bring you some. It's fine. It takes a couple We're days going to, to pause the this podcast. You're not allowed to finish until this <laughs> until beignets are on the in table in front of me, and I can <laughs> taste this. Is this a top secret recipe? Um, not not terribly. No, I think I could write it down. I've actually never written it down. But yeah, so yeah, I was just wondering. I always yeah. know in my head. we could share it with our listeners. You know what? I will try to <laughs> remember not, it's the okay. proportions. I'll write it down as much as I can and double test this it. Sounds amazing. Yeah, I'm really bad at working from a written recipe. I always that was one of the it. one of the things I learned in restaurants is that recipes usually fail you. You just go, you have yeah. to you know just go, you have yeah. to know the proportions. With, with baking, yeah. it's different because yeah. it's very like, it's like it's way everything. Yeah. It's more scientific. Yeah. yeah, it's way more formulaic and mathematical, but. You know, every time you sear a steak, that that was not the same cow as last time. It's not going to be the same, and you have and to your go stove might by be different. Yeah. You yeah. Altitude, yes, yeah, barometric pressure, like mm-hmm. the weather. Yeah, 
So you basically walk around with some general ratios of how things Mm -hmm. work in your head. And then you build from that. And I do have a lot of recipes written down and I will consult them and I will never follow them to a T. Like I just, and most of my, most of my recipes Mm -hmm. are, well, in the, in the restaurant world, we call, you say it's booby trapped. (laughs) Restaurants are extremely competitive. One of the biggest problems they have is employees stealing their Like dishonest sous chefs. Yeah. Sous chefs (laughs) stealing a a chef's idea and going and starting a restaurant across the street. And there's tons of stories about like, Mm -hmm. what's the real New York pizza, slice of pizza. And there's like these two restaurants like across the street from each other. And one of them stole the recipe and went to the other. And now they, they've hated each other for 120 years or whatever. Yeah. Wow. It's, that's it's so wild. funny. It's very volatile. The restaurant world is very volatile. I can imagine because yeah. that's easy intelligence to steal. Yes. yes exactly. Because this yeah. chef has to know how to make Often it. Often the restaurant's recipe book will disappear. If there's a team change up, if the chef gets fired, his team will steal the, the recipe book. Yeah. So yeah. we were, uh, so there's, we've tried there's a lot to of, avoid in restaurants, that. There's a lot of booby trapped <laughs> recipes. Lot. Like you yeah. kind of have to be in the know. The recipe will fail you unless you know like where. You have to know how to tweak it and actually make exactly. it really good. Five star. Uh, top yeah. notch. So <laughs> all my recipes, I don't booby trap them. I will list yeah. ingredients and put no measurements next to them because mm-hmm. like I know what it needs to be and it needs to be a little different based on what it's going with. Mm-hmm. So I'll just like, hey, you need some of this. You need yeah. some of that. You know, yeah. make it work. Okay. So <laughs> that's what a lot I, of my recipes look like. When I get recipes from you, are they going to be booby trapped? <laughs> Unfortunately, it'll look yes. weird. It'll and, look coded, but it's proportion I'll get, based. I'll get people. I'll get people. Sorry, people out there who I've done this to. I love you, <laughs> but I just I don't I don't have patience for it anymore. They'll be like, "Well, how much of that do I put in this sauce?" I'm like, "Well, where are you putting the sauce on?" Well, I don't know. I want to make it to yeah. see what sauce it goes on. I'm like, well, you'd make it differently based on what you're putting it on. Yeah. So you just kind of f- have fun with it. Well, but how much should I put? I'm like. I don't know. <laughs> Most of us are not yeah, creatively will, trained chefs. When I'm when I'm in the trenches making it, then I will know. Then you'll but right. right now when we're just talking about this thing I make, like, you know, you think you've tasted the exact same sauce, you know, six different times at events you've come to yeah. that I cooked for. You have not. They when taste the same because they've been altered to, to pair with the rest of the menu. Yeah. So they seem cogent. They seem continuous. Mm-hmm. But... That's only true because I've changed them so that they feel that because they're 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 complementing something that if I made it the same, it would be wildly different because that that pairing changes things too much. Yes. Anyway. Well, when you're old and gray and hobbling around the kitchen, you're going to be the person that your grandkids are following around That's with right, a notepad around, and studying them and, <laughs> and telling you to cook What's while they jot again? everything down. Yeah. Before oh, you gosh. throw the pinch of whatever it's in, they're going to measure it in a measuring spoon. And write <laughs> that we down. do have like family recipes where the proportions are absolutely memorized, oh, even yeah. if I don't have a written written down. And I have to remind myself to write down recipes because sometimes we'll lose um, like touch with a restaurant. We worked in a restaurant in, in Oregon. There was a beautiful recipe for a chocolate cake that was flourless. And after we left, I realized. I didn't have the recipe for the chocolate cake. And so I had to write it down in a journal somewhere. So because forget. we don't steal recipes from restaurants. Right. <laughs> no. We're not that type. I checked. <laughs> they closed the restaurants. Okay. So. <laughs> I did check. But yeah, no, I was very worried about that. So I have some recipes in journals. You have like a little leather-clad notebook that's extremely valuable, more valuable than anything else because it has Francis's recipes So we know what you're going to grab if the house starts burning. Yes. It's, it's actually going to be in a safe. Yeah. Books and I'm going to grab the door. my knife kit. Knife kit. My 
recipe book, and my Lucy. notebook from when I was an apprentice, <laughs> and then I'll start going for the kids. You're going yeah. for the kids. <laughs> Hopefully me, eventually. Hopefully. Oh, actually, there was an incident once. Um, we were visiting family over Christmas, and uh, it was in Seattle, and our car got broken into. Oh my and gosh. that was right when we were start helping to start the restaurant. And so he had brought with him his computer bag, like the laptop bag, you know, like a briefcase. But it didn't have a computer in it. It no, just had all my hands. It was filled notes. with all the codes for starting a restaurant. Yeah. And, and like notes. health code, like I was trying to weave my way through like mm-hmm. health code for starting a restaurant and just yeah. getting, and yeah. And so someone saw a computer bag, broke grabbed the window it. and grabbed it. And yeah. I had to start from day one. But like God was very good and we had not brought your, not, your leather yes. notebook. And my, somewhere my in the world, my apprenticeship was, was I love not that. In like, there. God was very kind to that thief. Somewhere there's a burglar who knows how to start a restaurant in Moscow, <laughs> Idaho. And it was, God was, I think, giving them a heads up. You could leave it a productive life. You could start a restaurant, fix your life, son. Yeah. It was <laughs> just so, really funny story. so funny. It was so odd, but it was very a close call. I you almost yes, lost that, that one that thing. Res- that a leather notebook. I know. It's very valuable. I had a, it's white and gold. Yeah, I had a really nice yeah. bass guitar in there. They didn't touch it. Didn't touch it. I think they <laughs> went for the so fast bizarre. Thing. You know yeah. that they wouldn't open the bag. Maybe they're, you know, they're trying like, to just get away. But, there's a MacBook Air in there. I'm going to snag it. Like, yeah, no, no. No. There's there's a there's a an old like server training manual from when I was a server at Sherry's way back in the day, and I'm still using that as reference for how to build a server training. Manual. Like there you wow. go, bud. That reminds go me. Go work. A couple, maybe it was last Christmas, maybe two Christmases ago. I sent some gifts to the South, and my daughter-in-law had them in her van, oh, yeah. and. They left the door unlocked and where we lived in the mm. South, you just don't do that. There's people who will take the opportunity to check your door and anything inside is gone. Regardless, her that happened. She just ran in real quick to a spot and came back out. And later on the cameras, it was totally set up, a, you know, like a tag team type thing where oh, somebody wow. pulled in front of the camera. Oh my goodness. So you couldn't see oh, what was happening. Wow. They were just going through the parking lot, checking doors. Oh my goodness. Anyway. Everything was taken out of her van, which wasn't a whole lot. That's Bummer. terrible. But the Christmas presents were. Oh. Christmas presents. Her, her purse was in there, which was far worse than a Christmas presents. Yeah. But right, I right. also laughed Yikes. like you because the thief got coffee from the north. <laughs> coffee from the north. <laughs> some, you, some really good roasted presents. coffee. Yeah. <laughs> and Rebecca um, Merkel's soup cookbook. Yes. Oh, <laughs> see, these are very productive yes. gifts that could turn someone's life like, around. Well, this thief Repent of your sins. <laughs> Go. And you can start a Go household with this information. <laughs> A soup night, a hospitality soup night, and hopefully learn from your wicked ways. I hope so. I hope these these <laughs> things that were valuable encouragement to us. in there to awesome. serve the Lord. <laughs> like there's Drink a charge, coffee, there's a sermon in there. Make good soup. <laughs> yeah, there we go. So back to your menu. Um, oh yeah, I know you said you when you're living in a small space, you mm-hmm. do like to take food, and oftentimes it's probably something sweet. I would imagine. Yeah, usually treats. Yeah. To friends, but a, a box full of beignets is real easy. <coughs> beignets, That's always well received. We roast a chicken. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. frequently it's just yeah. Let's roast some chickens. Yeah. And, do you yeah. sometimes take a meal and just eat with them at their house? Like you're Ooh, like, I bring the food, we and we're just gonna. If you <gasps> yeah. have the space, and I'll bring the food. Yeah. Or do you usually We've, just drop it, visit, and then yeah. go? We have. He I don't, has I don't been, know. I don't know why. He's been asked to cook the food. I don't. I don't. I don't know why. Himself. Like I like food. I'm not picky. <laughs> no, we're not picky. But. I think people are intimidated. I think it's scary to have get, a chef. We over. don't get asked over to eat at people's houses. Oh, very often it's all right. There's actually a legend that I mean, chefs are scared to cook for you. Yeah, there I, we go. I but they never, never get invited. So usually, yeah. when we get invited to cook somewhere, they're like, "Hey, we'd love to have you over." Um, 
I kind of want to cook something. Cook? Can you show me subtext? Will you come cook? Will you come cook? <laughs> Because they're nervous you're going to judge. They're nervous. I, I we I we try to train our children to not be picky. Like, be grateful, love, and, you know, just eat what's on your plate. And so, so hopefully we'll... We get, it, we we'll, get invited we'll over to up. places and they're like, well, we're having leg of lamb. What would you do with that? And I'm like, great. You invited me over here to cook for you. It's awesome. not cooked, Let's is go. it? Yeah, <laughs> if I that ever cooked a lot. for you, I, my philosophy on that, if I ever cooked for you, I would pick yeah. the most tried and true comfort menu that That's I knew exactly. how to make. You are yeah. hitting the nail on the yeah. head. That's like, what I I've did when never... I invited the Fukushan. Exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because... If you if I tried to cook leg of lamb, of course he would judge it because it would be terrible. I would not know how to cook it. Mm -hmm. It's a very special dish. And again, not that I don't want to try to cook leg of lamb or improve on it, but that's not the time to, you know, if I'm inviting you over, you're going to get some classic comfort nice. food southern your, menu really my teenagers love. something your great grandma taught you yes. that raised a couple yes. generations and of hale and hearty and grateful people who love yeah. eating yes yeah i mean that's that's that always what i'm after that's those uh, are the that's okay the give me your treasure. classic menu what's your menu okay. yeah what's, 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 what's a favorite a dinner at your house um besides beignets okay so <laughs> i'm in comfort food a grilled lot. chicken grilled chicken <laughs> um and then the kids really love you do have to base it off of in hospitality you love the little ones that are with you first mm-hmm. and you really fashion everything around what they love and then you can all experiment sometimes but it's really important i think for you know like a mom to not just be worried about what she's going to cook for guests but her first guests mm-hmm. are her children because mm-hmm. they are guests in her home mm-hmm. um we are shepherding these little ones so that they can leave someday which is hard to think about um and we want them to want to come back so we want to have them all have favorite things and so every year i do a lot of home baking and then we'll add and subtract things based on the feedback the, the kids have. So um, right now they're on a coffee cake kick. We have coffee cake every morning or rolls. And then during the school year, obviously like all the home-baked treats that go with them to Logos. Um, you love eggs. And so we always have scrambled eggs or frittatas. But for budget, during the pandemic especially, <laughs> it was very challenging. I remember when there was a little while when flour almost disappeared. Eggs yes. got more expensive. So all the classic things mm-hmm. that are cheaper, we had to sort of rework. Eggs are okay now for the most part. Um, but we do a ton of macaroni and cheese, like homemade oh, like, macaroni yeah. and cheese. <laughs> and then I introduce like cheeses every meats time. to the kids and we'll do like seven cheeses, six shapes. cheeses. Yeah. Like, that would go great with grilled chicken. Oh, oh man. Yes. You know, yeah. you mentioned you like grilled chicken, oh, mac yeah. and cheese, we're, broiled we're, chicken, sausage. We, we love sausage. We are frequently on an experimental mac and cheese. We game. are. You're we totally are. right. And then oftentimes for like chefs, just for a break, just to, to give your palate a break after like a really big pop-up when we're super tired and we don't have a ton of brain power left to invent something. You love like cured meats. Oh and yeah. The charcuterie board is. Yeah. So we'll kind of, kind of unwind with something like that. <laughs> like mm-hmm. menu. Like it's a, like a picnic. Maybe it's because yeah. I don't have to cook it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just it makes you happy. But yeah, yeah. I, maybe this is a failing on our part, but we don't have a menu. No, we, I, I do a, maybe that's a ton of things that the kids like. Our thing that we kind of gather around is experimenting. That's true. Yeah, I'll have the children come like, in and so help. You Let's just open the fridge and decide. What yes, we absolutely. Like, hey. I do tons of soups from everything I can find in the refrigerator. My son Braden, he'll, he'll be like, mm-hmm. Dad, 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 I heard about this. Can we try it? And I'm yeah. like, yeah, I've done yeah. something like that before. I did it this way. What do you think? He's like, ooh, 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 I heard about this ingredient, this flavor, blah, blah. And I mean, we just... Yeah. 
we go nuts and we will just make something up yeah. based on just inspirations we're getting from, mm-hmm. you know, the day, day in, day out. And well, it's a little like, bit challenging having, you know, a smaller space, but I've found ways for the children to help. Yeah. Like at the table. So the kitchen is so tiny. It's like three feet clearance. And so people get stuck because the refrigerator door opens and then there's three people stuck behind it. So I can't really have as much help in the kitchen. Yeah. Um, but I if I can up, bring it out to the table, I have to set up a folding prep table. We, we set up folding prep tables <laughs> and the children help with crumbling the cheese. Oh yeah. We do love those great big family. Style I think meals. you're right though. I think, I think our, yeah. our family yeah. dish is probably the rotating mac and cheese. Possibly. It's never the same. They there will always no, eat it. There is no, yeah. there is no recipe. There is yeah. no recipe. No, no, there isn't. I've been whisking and making bechamel sauces since I was nine years old. She's better um, than I am. I'm, and I got trained by a French guy. Yeah, I'm Sorry, decent. chef. That's right. <laughs> I, it's just, it's something I always did. Even when I couldn't reach the counter, my mom would put me on a chair and I would whisk because I could whisk. So um, having a good right hand because I paint, so I have a strong right hand. So I can whisk for forever. So sauces, cheeses, soups, things that are chilies, even chilies, but things that are based with a, like a bechamel. So not so much a chili, but we'll do a lot of that. And I'm teaching the children, but they have to be on little chairs. And so, yeah, that's what I'm comfortable with. And of course we love fat babies. And so I'm always trying to keep the weight on. Uh, so as much flour and Some extra cheese, exactly butter. extra cheese and extra butter, making a beautiful glossy, you know, cheesy sauce is always really, really helpful. And it helps them if they have the flu or something and they're back to normal they they need to get as much good stuff in them as possible well, it's a great so, encouragement yeah. to get kids in the kitchen and yes. teaching them even yeah. small parts because oh, then absolutely. as they grow they can like you at nine years old yes. or whisking I was up so a little delicious um, sauce i might have been seven or eight when i first started baking and my mom started me on it was like sandwich bread and scones that was my big mm-hmm. thing and i had to memorize the recipe uh, very early, I figured out that I was better at memorizing proportions than following the recipe. And then as I got older, I was adding in things like soups and sauces, lemon curds, custards. When my mom was in a uh, an ice cream making phase and we would do the custard, you know, that would explode all over the kitchen and, mm-hmm. and things like that. And then by the time you came along, I was very comfortable with stovetop cooking, but sauces and soups were definitely my most comfortable. You got me more comfortable with like roasting chickens and things like that. So I've almost got you. Experimenting is a good idea. Yes. Don't be afraid one. to experiment. Yeah, it pulls and, the family in. Mm-hmm. Yes, and cook with your family. And they have to so taste test everything. Knowledge. Yes, yep. like Winnie the Pooh, who always checks for cheese in the middle of the honey. Like <laughs> I, I have to get the kids who come taste the sauce, come check it. If I add this vinegar, what do you think? And so that's a big way that we celebrate is we'll cook all day, and that's almost a celebration. We'll eat later, but the cooking is kind of more the party mm-hmm. for for sure. But what were you going to say? Sorry. No, oh, I was going to say, what was I going to say? I can't remember. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's okay. You're so tired. You had a long week. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. Oh, I was um, going to say you, you yeah. got comfortable with uh, certain types. H- high temperatures. One of these that days I'll one. get you comfortable with searing. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> just uh, flames in, in the kitchen just really make me so nervous. <laughs> and we always live below someone. <laughs> so our neighbor, sorry, neighbor, we, we love you. But whenever you cook beef, the smoke alarm goes off. Oh, yes. She was not sure. saying that to the neighbor. She was saying that to me. Not not the neighbor. I'm sure she's Whenever perfect. Whenever I cook beef. Yeah, exactly. 
Residential so kitchens. Residential kitchens are not built for searing. Yes, properly. Not it's another built. reason we're holding off on moving is because I think that we will need to actually build out a proper well, bed I, hood and mm-hmm. kitchen. What I what I do now is I have an outdoor like a camp you chef, do. a camp propane chef. stove, and that's and fantastic. If I want to sear something, I do it outside. Yeah. it is a waste of time and a pain. In well, the, and we had <laughs> started doing that do originally yes. because a lot of our like the wedding where we did the beignets, there was there was running water at the venue. But there was very little like electricity. Mm-hmm. There was no kitchen. And yep. so we had to set up an outdoor kitchen. And we that was why we got the camp chefs. Yep. I had we had just chefs. earned enough from a pop-up restaurant to get a food pavilion, like a food cover, because it was yep. a windy day. Pop-up canopy tent. So we had to do everything in, in the parking lot, in the back. Under the canopy. Yeah. Open and, pot uh, fryers, making beignets. Yeah. And that was originally why we kind of started pop-up restaurants, so that we could have just enough to get a piece of equipment for the next catering uh-huh. gig. And so we've gradually acquired equipment, but we have found that cooking outside is really helpful. So do um, you always cook your beignets outside? Uh, not always, oh, no. no. I have a pot inside. If we're just doing a inside. small batch at home, yeah. then we just yeah have a Dutch yeah. oven on the If you serve beignets or if you take them to friends, do you typically do like black coffee or... Do you Ooh, that is the, you know, that is I mean, a that question. is the New Orleans way. That is I the New I'm actually delivering so, some beignets next week. No. We have it. It's <laughs> we to just a birthday make party. If coffee happens, it happens. Yeah, but, yeah. I love that. No, but just I, delivering I'm, beignets is a super treat. I mean, if yeah, you're taking them somewhere, you can't take hot idea. coffee. I love that. But if you were inviting a friend over or having Maybe people have in them the yard, bring the coffee too. then that would be... <gasps> Oh, I love that idea. That's really good to know. Thank you. How did we not know to do that? I know. Well, I'm. I did. I'm not Southern, even though I've spent a lot of time in the South. I'm not even sort of kind of Southern. Trying to pick up. You're so Northern. I would think up North. Everyone thinks black coffee just because y'all are coffee addicts. That's true. Honestly. I'm and a little bit weird. I, I am weird that way. I was, my well, godmother was English. So if you're she carrying me them to a house, I mean, you, you can't yeah. really carry a house. I love that idea coffee. though. But yeah, mixing it. I love that. When you yeah. take gifts to friends, mm. are you taking them just because, or do you feel like, do you pick people who you think, oh, this person needs some encouragement or this person just had a baby or do you just kind of <laughs> take them whoever, it's whoever that, pops into your head? It's, it's a little that, bit. And then it's like, oh, and this house is on the way. So. This house is on the way. We would have a checklist. <laughs> yeah. we, we did that once because we couldn't see anyone on Reformation Day because you were working. Yeah. And so as soon as you, you had like an hour and so we wrote a list of families down that we knew were on in the same general area. And we just started stopping at houses and seeing who was home mm-hmm. and just dropping off food. So we've done that. Oh, what a shame to not be it home. It was really fun. <laughs> it was when really special. You talked about inviting people when you, because you have a limited space mm-hmm. inside, you talked mm-hmm. about inviting people outside. Yeah. So of course, summertime would work. Mm-hmm. A Early fire fall. pit. Yeah. Fire pit. We have a fire fall pit. Would yeah. Work. yeah. What kind of um, hospitality do you do outside at your house? Um, let's see. I mean, we were pretty busy. We don't do a ton uh, yeah. of outside Maybe we're not the right people for this yeah, podcast. We, I feel really bad. I, I hope we don't have... We, we are really low key at We home. are very low and maybe, key. And maybe it's a, maybe that's a, um, a result of cooking for us being more, maybe more a profession. Possibly. So when we're at home, yeah, it's, it's like work. paper plates, come on, let's mm-hmm. hang out. We're going to make amazing food. Melamine plates. And a little not have plates. to wash up. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Sometimes well, yeah. that's the best way to go, though. It can be it's kind of nice. It's easy to yeah. it's comfortable and easy yeah. to do when you have worked yeah. all day long yeah. and yeah. you're working. Is it when you work in food? You're yeah. working as a chef. Then yeah. you don't want to come home and continue hours and hours and hours of labor. Right. So yeah, and I I mean I I love 
I mean, my my mom, I grew up with her like three different sets of mm. heritage china. Oh, yeah. Like one for this type of Sunday, one for this mm-hmm. type of holiday. And I think that's just so cool, mm-hmm. you know, to have that special treatment, you know. Yeah. But, uh, and we don't have that stuff. We should at some point someday. I know. I know. And We're we still waiting have, to be able to have a, a proper Sabbath. Oh, yeah. And we just don't have space. We're just I not know. at that point that's in our okay. lives yet. Where The kids are getting bigger. The yeah. house isn't. But so actually, we do our, our like hospitality. Yeah. Our hospitality is is really I don't want to say I, I don't want to say I don't want to say this like I'm ungrateful <laughs> you know it's confined because we're yeah. confined yeah. and that doesn't mean we don't do it yeah. we just do it like do it this differently. is, this yeah. is what we do we want to have you here we want to eat with you and talk with you if we had China, we would use it. Mm-hmm. If yeah. we had China, we wouldn't have space to put it anywhere, and we wouldn't well, be able to wash it in our right. kitchen. So you're so going to have it. Let's just do this because it's you know, let, you know the, the the fact of the matter is, have like we said earlier, we have yeah. we have taste. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're we're brothers and sisters in the Lord, and we have this amazing ability to taste. Yeah. And what does God say to do with that? Right. I would rather eat your delicious food on low-key dishes right. than poor That's food true. on China. So. Right. And I would love I to be able I to have care a, what the dish was. <laughs> and I would love to be able to have a banquet hall and all sorts yeah. of fine China Someday. somewhere. No, we dream about it. But I think that's, that's, that's a really that's good not point. A barrier then. like not having that shouldn't stop yes. us from oh, not doing. Everyone yeah. has a mansion with a lawn and staff, sure. and sure. so too. Yeah. I think it's a really good point to what you said about your hospitality is confined. You have mm-hmm. to recognize that yeah. God does give you certain cir- circumstances, yeah. right. a certain yeah. size house, yeah. a certain budget, and working within that isn't wrong. I mean, no, that's what not. he gave you. Right. So you have to work within it, and you should do so cheerfully and joyfully. Right. And it's good for our kids, too. Being thankful oh for what you yeah. have. God, and, God gives us fences for our protection. Oh, yes. absolutely. You know, don't yeah, go yeah. over there. That will, you know, that yes. so the wages of sin is death. So confinements of that sort that mm-hmm. God has put you in are just oh, yes. training for yes. the reality yeah, that really good if, you, if you push beyond the fence that God has put there, like, mm-hmm. that's not good. That's going to hurt. Well, it's like, okay, well, here's a fence that... I'm pretty much sure if I push beyond it, I'll be fine. But it's just a part of my life and learning to work with that, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, barrier there and knowing that barriers yeah. are there to, you know, guide us. Yeah. You know, work with them. Work, and look over how to explore the fence within that someone else's oh, right. circumstances exactly. and, 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 home and developing yeah, abilities and yes, developing contentment. It's just it's hard. wicked. It's yeah. not a good it's thing. Just yeah. so <laughs> it's going to make your job. God wants us to all. Grow in our own sanctification Amen. and recognize yeah. where we're supposed to yeah. grow from, and not be looking yeah. over at somebody so, I mean, else and where they are. Yeah. We've done, we've done, not frequent. I can only think of once or twice, but we've done Sometimes. hospitality where it's like, "Hey, we'd like to have you over to this park to eat with us." Yeah, let's go have a picnic together. <laughs> can we bring right three things? Yeah. yeah, and it's also fun for the kids because they help me prep the things that we're going to bring. And it, it's just, it is good for our children to mm-hmm. learn well, to deal in limitations. Yes. Oh, yeah. oh you have a small it's yard <laughs> with yeah. families with lots of kids. You just oh, yeah. go to the park and it's an instant yeah. entertainment after dinner. And the adults can so sit true. and enjoy visiting at the picnic table while the kids are and super busy. This yeah. is a fun place to eat outdoors too. Yeah. Oftentimes mm-hmm. when we have a day off, we will just pack a picnic and go somewhere. And the children can help me prep yeah. the day before. But, but we love that. I'm guessing I know what your must-have kitchen item is. Your knife set. He brought yeah, I got it. it. Yeah, he brought. We, we were almost late because he had to this turn around to get this. It's incredible. It looks, it looks. It's a rolled up bag. Yeah. yeah. And it says, well, what does it say? It's a Messermeister. Messermeister. I would yeah. mispronounce it. It's a really good brand. I might be mispronouncing it. Yeah. it sounds good. So, tell me about this knife set. You know, I wish I had one when I was in college. 
um, everyone who is, you know, high school, college age, who comes to work for, you know, one of my pop-ups or one of my catering events, mm, yeah. I just tell them, get a knife kit, get one, a third of this size. It doesn't matter. You're going to move every year for the next four years of your life. More than likely, you know, I mean, some kids take they, your knives with you. Yeah. Some kids, yeah. you know, they, they stay at home through college and that's great. Great for them. But most kids are going to be like, well, this roommate graduated and is moving out and this, I can't get it, blah, blah, I got to move somewhere. Mm-hmm, and yeah. I'm like, get a knife kit. Mm-hmm. You just roll up your knives and go. And, and you usually get them their to, first knife. Yeah, you'll you'll get them I as a thank you. I frequently gift knives for the kids who, who volunteer yeah. for nothing but the yeah. promise of food <laughs> and learning we try to, to work with me. We try to give them something But special. yeah, just being able to roll up your kit, mm-hmm. go somewhere and cook something. And be able to cook. For your, yeah. you and your roommates. Is that your favorite brand? Um, uh, you like Wusthof, Meister Meister. Our first Meister one Meister, was my my um, current chef knife is yeah. a Meister Meister. Yeah. Um, the it, Meister it has Meister, to fit the hand. The Meister really Meister well. knife knife roll is kind of the the go to in the restaurant world. Like you'll see more kids going to culinary school with this mm-hmm. knife roll than pretty much yeah. any other type. How did how do you learn to sharpen a knife? I'm Ooh. assuming you sharpen your own. Trial and error. Trial and error. He has sharpening stones at home, but he does have a honer, which um, right. bends the blade back and rehones it. So it's a, not proper sharpening. So on a molecular yeah. level, the um, the molecular <clears throat> bonds between the the um, the steel they will get softened by acids. Um, various other elements and the, the the edge of the knife will basically start to roll over mm-hmm. on a microscopic level. Yeah. And you can, you can re you can realign that and re-strengthen those bonds. Is the honer a machine? No, no, it's what you would call a knife sharpener. So this is, what, uh, so this, is, is. this is some confusion. Yeah. Everyone thinks that honing a knife is sharpening a knife. Yeah. When you get, you know, you go to Bed Bath and Beyond and, and buy a knife block and it comes with a sharpener. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. no, this is a steel. It hones it. I thought that was a knife sharpener. Is Isn't that so interesting? Sharpener. It actually just this, realigns this, the blade. This removes. Mine is circular. If, yeah, Yours that's looks common. more like a sword. <laughs> this is a <laughs> gift from our very son. Sword esque. Did, like did he get a few better. from Father's Day or yeah, something like or something that? Like so that. it hones it, but not. It doesn't sharpen it. It resets. It resets mm-hmm. the edge, but it doesn't yeah. refine the edge. It doesn't remove any steel and bring the. So the knife the block is new. incomplete. The knife it's block cannot sharpen. It can only hone when yeah. it has the, the hone yeah. of the steel. The yeah. funny thing is this is, this is honing is more of like a chemical process than a physical sharpening. It's actually realigning the edge and strengthening the chemical bonds between the molecules and making it ready to stand up to the acids and the other, you know, I, I, I say chemicals, so they're all you know, natural products, but it is a chemical reaction we're talking about. It, it strengthens it and, and gets it, gets it ready to, to handle that. And it does that by, Rubbing steel on steel. Mm. Biblical reference, iron anyone? Sharpening iron. There we go. <laughs> so yeah. you hone your knives in and between, then you sharpen? In or? between. I I will sharpen my knives less than once a year. Yeah. Okay. So like if I was in day-to-day. happens right, regularly. If I was in day-to-day restaurant work, I will probably need to sharpen them every six months or yeah. so. Yeah. Then day-to-day, if you hone your blade in between touching any product, you will keep it sharp a very long time. Okay. See, yeah. I always considered that sharpening. It is but not it's sharpening. Not. But remember, so it strengthens those bonds. Yeah. So if you uh-huh. don't do it, then that bent over edge has all these bonds that are even more exposed on that bent edge. And it just keeps getting weaker and weaker and bending more and getting weaker and weaker and weaker. If you reset it and re-strengthen those bonds, that will hold its edge 
a shockingly long time. So every six months to a year, you use a whetstone? Yes. To sharpen? Yeah. We used to find someone who could sharpen, yeah, but it was really a, hard to find There used to be a guy out. with a truck full of equipment, and I would and just hire him, and, and it was like 30 bucks, and he'd sharpen yeah. my whole knife yeah. kit, and I just did it once a year. All the knives in Moscow would get sharpened. Uh, that would be amazing. <laughs> yeah. And then about, oh, I don't know, great. eight years ago or so, I couldn't I find anyone locally who did that, and I was like, yeah. oh, man, I could learn how to sharpen my knives. You did some research and got some Yeah, just with the honing, like before I start. What angle is that? It kind of doesn't matter. Sharpening. The angle matters a lot. Honing, you're just rubbing steel on steel. You can just go at a 45 degree so angle. So you're, and you're not going to mess it up with honing. Not really. I mean, you could smack it. And, sure, and you're you not going to want to hit it straight on. But you're just trying to rub the steel, rub iron on iron, and strengthen those bonds and realign them. So as long as you're close to the right angle of your edge, that's mm-hmm. all that matters. So for the home cook, they need to go. hone their knives. Yeah. How? Watch some, we go on YouTube, watch some videos. Okay. There's going to be nine different styles and every chef is going to tell you, this is the proper way mm-hmm. to do it. It's like, okay, buddy. And then sharpening, <laughs> they might could find someone or do, what do you think about the knife sharpeners that are out there that not you know the what? wet stones, but like the, the little electric, the little electric suckers are the ones you pull. Go for it. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. The only thing you're losing there is a little bit of life on your knife. Mm-hmm. And for most home cooks, not restaurants where that knife is going a hundred miles an hour, you know, 10 hours a day, mm-hmm. you're not going to lose the, those just, those peel off too much product. So like for someone who's using their knife every day and needing to sharpen it a little more often, it's going to really reduce the life of that knife. Cause it's going to grind so much steel off every time they run it through it. Right. But for a home cook, who's going to really need to sharpen it every once in a great while. And it just doesn't get anywhere near that use. It's not going to destroy the life of your knife hardly at all. Go for it. Okay. Go for it. And just know that you're you're choosing to remove more steel from the blade when you do that. And that's the trade-off. What about the ones that are not electric, but more like it has blades that meet? Yeah. You the, run your knife through those. it. Is that yeah. honing or sharpening? I think those... Or is that anything? I, I'm, I don't know enough about those. I think they're trying to be sharpeners, and I think they're not very effective as sharpeners, and they're not effective at all as honers. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. Maybe they're just not a good product, I, potentially. I, I can't see. I don't know. I, mm-hmm. I can't judge on those because I just see. I just like, man, those are still selling, but I don't see how they're effective. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. that's so that's a electric, statement out of ignorance. <laughs> the electric one would maybe be more effective, mm-hmm. don't have to do it super often, yeah, it's a great option. But, but number when you one say thing it you grinds do, the blade down, is that pretty microscopic? Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, using the electric sharpeners um, is the, it's probably about the same as sharpening your knife 10 times. Okay. So every one time you use that electric, and I'm making that up, I'm just guessing, mm-hmm. but every one time, every time you use the electric sharpener, you're basically going through roughly 10 times the sharpening process. And the sharpening process is actually grinding bits of steel off to remake the edge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, you're losing little tiny bits of your knife and you know, you're just doing it at 10 times speed with those. They'll, they'll make a really darn good edge. Mm-hmm. And if you don't need to do it that often, then great. <laughs> Lose 10 times the product and it's, It'll still take mm-hmm. a decade right. for, you to for the home wear cook. through that knife. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and especially for a mom, I think 
um, a lot of us have a very similar rhythm of cooking because we kind of have to cook in bulk and maybe it's like two or three times a week, right? And then leftovers. And like, that's what I do. I probably do two really large dishes a week. And then I have, you know, the pieces that I use for leftovers. And then of course, breakfast is always important, but um, breakfast is one of breakfast my favorite meals. Is, it is. If I can circle back for a second, oh, yeah. Yeah. knife. Like, <laughs> everyone's like, what knife should oh, I yeah. buy? Yeah. Like, what is the knife? Yes. And it's like, Give us this advice. Sure. You know. I don't know what your knife is. Yes. I can show you the proper way to hold it, mm-hmm. you know, a couple different grips and, yeah. and the proper way to use it. And once you know that, it should fit in your hand. Yes. It should be high quality steel and it should fit in your hand. It should match That's how you cook. It's a huge test how it feels in your hand. Certain, you know, there's yeah. there's there's varying, various levels of, you know, carbon in blades, high carbon steel. There's various, you know, they call it Rockwell hardness grades. The, you know, the harder the, the harder the knife is, the longer it holds an edge, but the harder it is to sharpen. The softer it is, you got to sharpen it all the time, but it's really easy to do what what works for you. Mm-hmm. And you just got to take some time. And I would buy a reasonably high quality, inexpensive blade to learn on. I frequently recommend you can go to any restaurant supply store yeah. and get the the Forstner Victorinox. They're... Yeah. Some people are, they look down at them because they're in every cheap junk kitchen knife hanger in a restaurant in the world. And they're just, they're very inexpensive and available everywhere, but they're sharpened in Switzerland. They're literally Swiss blades. Really? Yeah. I still have several we in love my knife kit. When I got here. my son his yeah. first knife, it was a Forstner Victorinox. Yeah. And the uh, venerable Cooks Illustrated staff still mm-hmm. says they are the best knives you can buy. Yeah. <laughs> They're so affordable. It's How much funny. is it at a restaurant supply? Like 40 bucks. Yeah. That is not bad for a no. beginner knife. Yeah. Or for, or uh, like just I said, to keep forever, forever. Yeah. yeah. And if you want to, you can, you can get them with like nice rosewood, you know, handles and that is a yeah. hot tip. Yeah, those, they're, they're great. Now and I if, want to go to a restaurant supply and buy one. You will be in heaven. Restaurant supply stores yeah. are our salvation. Mm-hmm. The, the, thing, the equipment they have. It's not beautiful, but that's half the trick. It's very functional and high much, quality. Yeah. Yes. Something very that's going to last They're very much function over, over form. Over. Oh my goodness, for sure. And it is truly like such a trusty companion. So that's where yeah. we get a lot of our stuff. And the other place to look is uh, a website called knifemerchant.com. Knife Merchant. If it's, it's not great. worth using, they don't sell it. Mm-hmm. So if something is on their website, it's worth buying. If you find a knife brand you like and it's not on that website, then your criteria are wrong. <laughs> it's, it's very yes. prolific. It's very it's a, good. Good to know. It's a company yeah. that was started by chefs who needed yeah. to, a way to make, you know, reliable knives, mm-hmm. you know, vetted by chefs who cook with them, available to chefs everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's the best resource for That's for where braiding goes for your Christmas yeah. presents. <laughs> it's the best resource for discovering, you know, yeah. knife types and, you know, yeah. getting information and buying them. Some of yeah. some of their prices are the best you can find. I think we started when I would get you your first knife, like a nice knife, I would start at like Williams-Sonoma, the places mm-hmm. that I knew about. Mm-hmm. But the the markup is big. And eventually he found that the hand shape was wrong. And they're usually made for looks. Yeah, the, for looks. Function. So even if they're higher quality, they're just not as high quality yeah. as these other places you can Or find. at least high design yeah. quality. They're designed for... So it's yeah. taken us a while. You have like, like a different. rowdy collection. Mm-hmm. You don't have a matching oh, yeah, collection. No. It's, it's a lot like my paintbrush collection. I have favorite shapes and I get those and I favorite s- construction. I spend a lot of time thinking like, ah, you know, when I'm doing this, when I'm when I'm on the line and I'm just like grilling a ton of sandwiches and then yeah. 
cutting them diagonally and plating them really quick. Like I need a knife that just does this mm-hmm. and feels this way in my hand. And I'll spend months trying finding to find the perfect that knife, knife that, task. that does that. Mm-hmm. And it's like my chef's knife works, mm-hmm. but yeah. I like having my chef's knife for, you know, okay, I've got three minutes in between this ticket and the next ticket. I need to be busy. I want my chef knife clean and ready to do the prep work, you know, slicing cucumbers yeah. or whatever. So, so it's good to go cutting sandwiches. Right. And so if I'm going to mm-hmm. have a knife that's devoted to cutting sandwiches, then I'm going to get one that maybe works a little bit better than the chef's knife for that. Having said that, if all you have is a good chef's knife, you're good. A chef's yeah. knife is worth its weight in gold. I almost never use knife, my yeah. paring knife. Yeah. I I will use my. You my, refuse to use serrated edge knives. The, the only one I have is my is my sandwich cutter. knife. Oh yeah, I use it. I use it for a bread. But knife the little sometimes. ones are like a no go. Oh yeah. If I'm just going to slice bread, mm-hmm. like I'll grab that bread knife sometimes, but I'll just use my chef knife. If you know if how to it's sharpen sharp it, enough, yeah, yeah. You, you know how to keep it sharp, yeah. sharp enough, then you don't need a serrated knife to go through bread. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I have one, but that's mm-hmm. that was because mm-hmm. I needed it for a very specific purpose. I yeah. didn't, I didn't buy it because I needed a bread knife for every time I need to slice bread. I was like, no, I need to be able to slice these sandwiches on this line really quick. So and the bread knife it, sitting there is not going to. I need my chef's knife clean and right. knife sitting Well, and the problem I had is like, I use my chef knife so much. My hand mm-hmm. just has this certain motion that's really mm-hmm. efficient. Mm-hmm. And if you grab a bread knife, bread knives are really short. Mm-hmm. They're like one inch wide, right? Mm-hmm. And then I'd go go fast without thinking about it. And I just go down and hit my knuckles on the board. And I don't go through the bread all the way. And I'm just like, I can't, the I can't stop. Right I can't you. stop and rethink yeah. my motion when 99% of what I do is with a chef knife. So I found, I found a serrated, they call it a panini knife. Yeah. It's a Vustoff and it's wonderful. And I will actually stop sometimes if I'm going to, if I know I'm going to be cutting a bunch of bread, I actually stop and get that as opposed to my chef knife because it's like, this is actually incredible. A panini knife. Yes. Yeah. And it's tall. My knuckles fit under there. I can, I can, I can grab it. I can grip it and move it like a chef knife. Is it a cross between a chef's knife and a bread knife? Kind of, sort of. I guess you need to see it now, don't you? I need to see this. I've never heard of a panini knife. Well, and a plug for the chef's knife. He matched me up because I've been, I've lost the use of my hand a couple times with like tendonitis and tennis elbow. And he got me a bigger knife. I thought I have smaller hands. So I was using smaller knives, but the bigger knife is actually easier on the muscles. Yeah. There's another hot tip. I was able to use that. That was amazing. If, If you feel like you're struggling with knife skills, your knife is too small. It says Grand Prix 2 by Wustoff. I guess that's the name of the knife or the knife set or that it came with. Uh, it didn't come in a set. So no, he doesn't buy a set. I don't buy sets. <laughs> I see. So it's an individual knife that you mm-hmm. bought. Yeah. Grand Prix 2 Wustoff. I'll have to look for this. I love this too, but just to look for it, the bolstered blade is the kind that's a little bit wider um, here and it gets thinner. What, and stamped blades are thin all the way across. What do you use it for besides bread? Mm. That would cut a tomato. Tomatoes. Yeah. Tomatoes. <laughs> if you look. Yeah. Uh-huh. Serrated knives usually come to points, uh-huh. and that's a scalloped yes. knife, so it doesn't come to points. So you never wear down those points and make it useless. I like how most, big it is. Most serrated blades, you can't use a honer on. Mm-hmm. This one you can. Right I like that size because it's not can, massive, but it's it's. I wish like it was you longer, said, those but small serrated <laughs> blades that come in a knife block are so useless. Yeah. They're not. They're if you have useless. a giant tomato or a loaf of bread, you can't cut yes, through. It's true. Throw it away. Yeah, I know. I can't. I can't quite throw mine away. I, I have throw one because I, I give it to the kids. And it works for a small tomato, a it's little a, tomato. It's know. a poorly designed steak knife, is what it's it is. True. I'll, I'll look so for and they call like them, this is the picture. utility knife. Mm-hmm. It has no utility, so we'll call it a utility knife. <laughs> Speaking of, I have a hot tip. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Walmart utility yes. brush. Oh, there is in the 
the dishwasher soap and sponges and all that. They have these brushes hanging. And one says kitchen brush. It's a scrubber. It has a handle and a scrubber. If you get the kitchen brush, just throw it away. Right next to it is called a utility brush. Okay. And it is... A couple of dollars, maybe, really? but the the bristles are so close together, okay. and they just are perfect for scrubbing as fast as possible and nice. throwing Ooh. either dishes in the dishwasher. Or yeah. I've given them to friends and relative, like That's my daughter brilliant. and daughter in laws. Like, listen, this is the greatest it. thing ever <laughs> because if you're even like even if you're hand washing, yeah. you have all this food and gunk yes. you want to get off your plates. Just super. Yeah. It, you don't have to get your hand with sponges. You have to get yes. your nails and hands yeah. doing the scrubbing. I've oh, recently yes. graduated my wife to he this realization. <laughs> to where I was using sponges. And then, of course, during the pandemic, we were like, what do we cut so we can feed our babies? Yeah. And we cut sponges really fast. And you switched me to a brush. Well, this brush, brush with the handle, brilliant. you don't have to get your hands all off in yeah. it. Yeah. It works brilliantly. It has the front and then you can flip it over. It has even stiffer bristles. So oh. it gets everything off. We are buying this use, today. Yes. I know. I also <laughs> I use a plastic one. scraper for oh, yes. um, we love those. really we hard stuck on stuff. Yeah. yeah. But this brush also you can wash in the so dishwasher. Cool. Oh, if that's you really, have a dishwasher, I mean, you could just scrub it with Dawn soap. But if, yeah. yeah, it's getting kind of like, eh. Yeah. It's, it's scrubbed quite a few that. greasy pans. Throw it in the dishwasher. That's it lasts brilliant. forever. So hot Ooh, tip there. I love it. Thank yeah, you. I buy it for. He's excited. Now. <laughs> Y'all show up with beignets. I show up with utility <laughs> brushes. <laughs> Both are very important. <laughs> I'm so excited. You have no idea. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Head to Walmart after this. <laughs> it's this show is not sponsored by Walmart. No, not sponsored by Walmart, but it is, I think, the great value brand. So if that you're trying so cool. to look for a name brand, it probably won't work. It has okay, to be the blue and white brush. one. Thank you so much. The other... The other, I, yeah, I, love I could go nuts on the equipment segment. Here. I know. The other piece of equipment that everyone careful. has to own, you mm-hmm. must have a yes. hotel pan. If you are a bulk pan. cooker, it is a, it is fairly deep dish. It fits into a domestic oven. And what do you say? What's the normal size? It's bigger than a 15 by 13. Oh, it's, it's bigger. It's I like a casserole tw- dish. 12 by bigger. 26 or 12 by 28. Do you buy this at a restaurant supply store yes. as yes. well? They stack. Stainless steel. It looks They're like stainless a stainless steel, steel um, what do you call mm-hmm. that? Casserole pan. Yeah. They're designed to fit in a chafer. So when you go mm-hmm. to a buffet line and they have, you know, the little heat suckers mm-hmm. with the candle. You know, yeah. It's meant to go under. into those. That's the food pan that stands. fits in there. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's a, it's a standardized size. So mm-hmm. when you go into a restaurant and they have their prep lines, you know, the lids yes. they flip up on the refrigerator so they can pull stuff out of there. All those pans are called fractional pans. They're all a fraction of a hotel pan. A fourth and eight. So you have a yeah. whole pan, a half pan, a third pan, a six pan, a nine pan. And yeah. they're all fractions of the it's hotel brilliant. pan size. So the whole restaurant industry functions mm-hmm. on storing food yeah. in a hotel pan or a fraction of a hotel pan size. Mm-hmm. Everything fits to that. So, but it's just, it's even, even, even at home, if you're not using, yeah. if you're not using prep lines, you know, if you're not using yeah. make, make tables and you're not using um, steam pans or, or uh, chafers, like the hotel pan is just brilliantly it's sized. It will go edge to edge in your home oven mm-hmm. with a half inch of space on either yeah. side. So if you want a, a pan yeah. that will fit an entire, utilize as much as your oven rack as possible, that is the one. It's stainless steel. It's yeah. not, you drop it, you might dent it. If you get a thick enough one, you probably yeah. won't. It's basically They're indestructible. They're very inexpensive. There's almost a lip so you can easily grab it out oh, and yeah. put it in because it's made to be suspended from something and in a just, restaurant. You can get them in yeah. the standard depth, which is two and a half inches, yeah. or you can get a four inch deep one, or you can get a six inch deep one. Yeah. 
What and, is your preference? It probably uh, depends on it what you're cooking. It just depends, yeah. yeah. Like I, I literally use them for cooking equipment. Like mm-hmm. I will build a smoker yeah. and I will I will take a six-inch hotel pan and invert it and, and use it as it. a lid yeah. on just like go take, make a rack, you know, dig a hole, make yeah. a fire, like put something up there and put, invert a, a hotel pan over it and bam, I'm smoking something yeah. over an open fire in the middle of nowhere. It's fantastic, but it it's, spreads it's for- It's amazing because um, it's stainless steel. What, what am I going to do to it? Yeah. Crumbles- Coffee oh, yeah, cakes, you can. We, we will, lasagna, we will bake. Soups, we will bake desserts in pad thai, it. Pad Thai, anything. I will not put lasagna in anything else. No, you ever won't. Your your anything. entire recipe is constructed around the proportions that go in yep. a hotel pan, <laughs> and it's oh, yeah. and we know it, the price exactly, exactly. Yeah. Like it's the price per hotel pan is the exact cost. Yeah. To make that lasagna, yeah, it's really good lasagna that too. Sounds like a great so kitchen. It's tool. lovely for a mom, and. A homemaker who needs, you know, two pans of things. She needs to feed 50 people really fast. Mm-hmm. It's really fantastic. And we will roast chickens in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tons of chickens. I can I put roast, like six. I will roast whole. But you know, five. I will roast beef in it. Yeah. I will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't it's matter. It's just and, multi-purpose. It's and just they're everything. stackable. They're just lovely. Weatherproof, You can make basically. a baked macaroni and cheese I in can. it. Speaking I would of say, mac and cheese. Oh, yeah, right? mac and cheese. You're <laughs> thinking about it. And then a stock I know, pot. A stock pot. I would say, yeah, that's for me stockpot and it does need to be a little bit on the bigger side. So a six quart, like a domestic one, like the Kirkland one we had from Costco yeah. Yeah, is actually not quite big enough. Is that a me. six quart or an eight quart? I need larger. Yeah. The one we you have, finally got do me. Do they have that at restaurant supply? They do. Yes. The eight we quart? have, yes. oh no, we have a no, 24, have 24 quart 24 stock pot. Yes. How do you fit? You don't fit that on a stove. We do. I do. Somehow. You don't get to use any of the burners next to it. No, <laughs> four burners are in use. <laughs> no, just one burner. Because yeah, I mean, if you're just, just hanging, if over all you're doing edge. is, is a bringing little liquid bit, yeah. to a boil, it doesn't matter if only the small the center, center of the pot. Is, yeah. yeah, and I mean, it's a um, what's the term I'm looking for? It's got the disc on the bottom. It's you know, sandwich layers of different uh, yes. metal. It's yeah, it's, I can't remember the there's name. There's a term for that. The, I can't you're talking about the. F- I know what you're saying, but the flat surface, the flat topped oven. Uh, no, no, no. I'm talking no, the base the, of the pot. The underneath Whoa. part of the pot is it's got layered. In, it's, it's got layers. It's you know steel encapsulated with like aluminum and copper gotcha. and so on and so forth. Gotcha. So, so it distributes heat, heat really, yeah. really, really it's, well. It's the so only way I can the, properly even though the onions. Even though the bottom of the yeah. pan is way bigger than the biggest yeah. burner on our mm-hmm. stove. It's spreading if the all heat you're out. doing, if yeah. you're not searing meat and you need your entire pan to be perfectly even temperature, if you're just simmering stock, mm-hmm. you're fine. You're if you're just bringing a soup up to temp, you're fine. It works great. And yeah, you can use, you can put a very small pan on the opposite, you know, catty corner burner <laughs> while you're using that stock pot and that's it. Yes. You don't get anything else yes. on there. Okay. That's all you can do. And the funny thing for that is it's so much bigger than our sink that the challenge, it's taking me six years to figure out how to wash it in Water a sink that is outside. half the size. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, you figure out the angle and you get like part of the faucet in and you soak it and it just takes a long time. You I rotate it. Exactly. You, you rotate it. And- yeah. But it's, amazing for me because that's the only way I can caramelize onions properly Oh yeah, as I need them all over and I run out of room on every other pan. Caramelizing onions takes three hours minimum. Yes, Anything that tells you it takes less time than that is not caramelizing. <laughs> what it's sauteing. are you saying? We have lived off many, many onions. It's very How cheap. How do you not burn them? Super, I mean, three hours? Lower heat? Super, super, super low, low heat. heat. How often um, do you have to stir? Oh, every 10 minutes or so. I, I am for a little bit more stir. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's a passive task, so you could do you could probably, something I've never you could, tasted. You could probably so get away with have every only ever had sauteed onions. Minutes. There we yeah. go. It's so special, but so I'll, I'll deglaze is, it a lot. Onions, onions are pretty high starch, yeah. right? In the right conditions, starches will convert to sugars, but it takes time. Yeah. So if you're just 
caramelizing your onions for 30 minutes, mm -hmm. those are still starches. And those starches are just kind of browning and blackening. Right, they haven't You're broken down yet. You're just toasting them, which is yeah. delightful. It's so Toast good. Toast tastes better than bread mm -hmm. right. because the browning is great. But caramelization is after you've spent a lot of time turning those st starches into sugars, mm -hmm. then you actually yeah. caramelize the sugars, which is mm -hmm. a slightly different process and produces a slightly different flavor mm -hmm. profile. And then it's amazing, which is why you can make onion jam. You've turned mm -hmm. the thing into a ball of, you know, kind of savory sugar. Is that, is that, is that an oxymoron? <laughs> yeah, that it's, it's so interesting. Yeah. So you gotta, yeah. you gotta, um, you start on fairly high heat because onions are high water content and you want to just get rid of as much water as possible, but you don't want to start browning them. So high enough heat to get rid of water. But as soon as that water starts disappearing, they're going to start browning. You're bringing that temperature way, way, way really, down. Really, really, really yes. low. And you want to yeah. see, you want to see in your, and you should julienne your onions if you're going to caramelize them. A very thin slice, you know. Okay. Yeah. Julienne the onions no to dice. caramelize them. No dice. <laughs> No dice on that one. No yeah. dice. <laughs> Juli Julienne the onions if you're going to caramelize them. And then you should see the low, like barely starting to brown. That should start happening mm. in the middle of the slice of onion almost as soon as it starts on the outside. Because you're converting those sugars and the heat is so low, it's penetrating all the way through. And so it's not just browning on the outside and then you have just, you know, limp cooked onion in the middle. Mm -hmm. You should have caramelized onion side to side. And if you mm -hmm. julienne the onions... You keep the cell structure intact and they don't fall apart and turn to mush. Yeah. So you can keep them in a pan for three or four hours and they're still, they still have something like their texture. This would be amazing for a lot of dishes. You know, so what good. is your favorite? Oh my gosh. Pulled pork. Pulled pork with caramelized onion. We were, we were making Cubanos yesterday. We were yeah. talking about that. that this has been an amazing podcast and so many tips that <laughs> only a chef could offer. You know, I mean, it's just. I've learned a lot today. So thank That's you so fun. much for joining me and taking thank time you. out of your Saturday to sure. be here. Oh, this was fun. Thank you. This was really fun. You were so kind. Thank oh, you. Well, and thank it's you. taken a while for us to get together. I know. I, back at our text I finally coordinated. Like you can I'm tell so how busy they are. That's yeah, we okay. <laughs> exactly. yeah. And I can, I can honestly tell your listeners, like I've catered with you yeah. and I've watched you take just bare bones instructions on the fly. Yeah. Like we need this done. You yeah. got to do it this way. Go. And yeah. I've watched you act like a professional cook. I think some moms like, make the best of well, show, you. Show very some very serious, show some very serious yeah. ability, like yeah. with, with under stress yeah. and just learned and ran with it. So listeners out there, you, you found the right podcast. You're going to learn a lot here. <laughs> she, she takes it, synthesizes yeah. it and, and executes. Homesteaders, homemakers. Just a few. <laughs> he has massive amounts of mad skills. There I have go. a few. <laughs> That's okay. So Homemakers are amazing. They're incredibly skilled oh, and yeah. very versatile. That's true. Very you kind of have to learn resilient. how to be versatile to cook for a family. Yep. You've got the humility to be able to like start over and over and over again because you never know what's going to interrupt. Before I go, I wanted to share another hot tip from a listener in Kansas about caramelized onions. She says, I have to give you my newfound tip for caramelizing onions, the crock pot. I recently found an amazing recipe for French onion soup that caramelized the onions over several hours in the crock pot. And let me tell you, they were far better than anything I have attempted over the stove. I enjoyed the soup for days afterwards and look forward to trying the pork loin. And she gives me a link. She continues, I did not need to finish the caramelizing on the stove as the recipe said. They were already amazing. So... You could try Otto's method on the stovetop, 
You could try this caramelized onion method in the crock pot. Maybe it would be a little bit easier and maybe it's one that you don't have to watch over quite as much as the stovetop method. Till next time, listeners.